0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. It's been a significant week for me. I've chalked over an entire year at Narara Valley Baptist Church. I know. I know some of you are thinking has it only been a year uh where others are like what happened for me it feels like the time has has flown uh, and obviously there's been a natural point for me to actually have a little bit of a reflect a, a little bit of a think on uh, the past 12 months and i recognize but in many ways, it's, been, it's a little bit like a dating relationship, isn't it? Where, you know, I'm trying to get to know you guys, you guys are trying to get to know me a little bit more, and it, it made me think of one of my uh, favourite, or certainly... Um, lasting memories of my dating life. Uh, So back in another age, before I met Kay, who can't believe it's taken me a whole 12 months to tell this story, (laughs) um, I was, uh, I'd started dating a nice Christian lady um, and we were in that period of starting to get to know one another. We were only a, a few dates in and and we went to, to Darling Harbour to have lunch by the water together, because I am a classy guy, right? Uh, and I was giving this every shot at, um, at working out. And so if you know Darling Harbour, we were down there by that lovely pedestrian bridge by the water, kind of opposite, kind of Cockle Bay Wharf. We'd gone and got ourselves some great lunch that we could take down and, and eat um, by the water together and continue this way of just getting to know one another and seeing if this would go to work and see if there was a, a future together. But if you've ever been to Darling Harbour and tried to have lunch there, you're not alone. You're not alone. There are a lot of people and there are a lot of seagulls. And I don't know if you know this about seagulls, but they are very determined and very focused. And if you don't believe me, go throw a chip at a beach uh, next time you're there and see what happens. So there we are, sitting next to each other with our, with our lunch chatting away our attention on each other, and it seemed like out of nowhere, this seagull full dive bombs this poor girl's lunch, like literally right into the lunch, poof, wings are in the face, uh, and flies off, right? And so me, of course, wanting to, you know, good impression, gentlemen, also show this lady that my priorities were in order, immediately went like this and protected my own lunch, right? No way, seagull's going to get my lunch. No, thank you. Never did quite work out why that relationship ended. But um, (laughs) I'd love to speak to you this morning uh, on what I call the principle of the seagull. Uh, A seagull is a masterclass in focus. Uh, And the spiritual principle I think I'd love to speak on today is this idea that what we carry in our hearts, what we desire... And what we fix our eyes on, we move towards. What we carry in our hearts, what we fix our eyes on, we move towards. And obviously, there's so many places in Scripture where we can ground this principle. Think about Joshua this side of the Jordan River, ready to enter into the promised land. Uh, He's carrying in his heart these promises of God, uh, these covenants that God has made with his people about a land, a place where he is going to place them, where he's going to be their God, where they're going to be able to build houses and have children and build a temple, a, a place of God's choosing. He's sitting there with these desires in his heart. He's sitting there carrying in his heart the history of the people of God, the God, the Yahweh. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the one who's led them out of slavery and captivity in Egypt. He's the one who's led them through the wilderness, and so he fixes his eyes on the promised land where God is leading him, where God is leading the people of God, and he moves, he drives forward towards it, bringing with him the entire nation. There's also some very famous verses that speak to this in the book of Hebrews. Uh, and it comes after what is one of the most encouraging chapters in the book of Hebrews, uh, what we often refer to as the heroes of the faith. In he- Hebrews chapter 11, there's just this great list of people who, had, who carried in their heart this great faith in God, who carried in their heart this deep love for God, who fixed their eyes on what God was calling them to do in their age, in their generation, in their place in human history, and went after it. And Hebrews 11 records for us that God did amazing things through these people. And that these people were able to suffer amazing costs for the cause of Jesus because carried in their heart, eyes fixed, were the things of God. And so then the writer in chapter 12 starts by then drawing his attention back to us. Then he says, we are to do likewise. We are called To be likewise. Therefore, he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since we are surrounded by such a crowd of examples in the faith, since we are surrounded by such a great community of like minded, faith filled Jesus followers, then let us not play games, let us not muck about. Let's not have divided loyalties, be easily distracted, but let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run, let us move, let us drive forward with perseverance towards the race marked out for each of us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. My friends, this morning, what is it that you are carrying in your heart? What is it that your eyes are fixed towards and fixed on? Where are we moving together as a community of faith? Well, as I said, I can barely believe that it's been a full 12 months uh, since starting at uh, NVBC. and it's been a deeply significant year for myself and certainly for our, our family. Uh, it's been a year full of a lot of firsts. Um, first swim in the pool, that was cool. Uh, first sermon, first teaching series, first Christmas, first Easter together uh, as a faith family. First board meeting, elders meeting, first pastoral visit, first funeral, got to attend my first NBBC wedding, um, first time tasting shiv's amazing desserts. Oh, come on, praise the Lord. Uh, First time smelling the smell, um, that's, a, that's an in-joke for the pastoral team, um, but if you've smelt it in this auditorium, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, a lot of firsts, a lot of firsts over the last 12 months. And at these kind of moments in life, same with birthdays or, or New Year's, uh, it's just a chance to actually look back and reflect. And so I've been doing a whole bunch of looking back and, and reflecting over the past 12 months. Where have we seen God at move? What have we achieved together? How have I grown uh, as a disciple of Jesus uh, and as a pastor, as a leader? What has God been teaching me? And so this morning I'd love to share from that place of reflecting uh, and processing my first year here at MBBC. I also want to be really clear that this isn't a sermon about me, this is a sermon about us, and it's a sermon for each one of us. And as I've said, this is kind of where I want to go, that this idea that what we carry in our hearts, what we fix our eyes on, we move towards. So here's just a couple of really kind of, I think, simple yet profound and deeply important things that I'm convicted about, having been here for 12 months, of the sorts of things that we're called to carry in our hearts and we're called to fix our eyes on. And the first is simply this, that we ought to keep a God-sized vision for ourselves for our church, and for our community. Uh, If you know the story of Joshua, uh, and by the way, gold gold star to anyone who realized that the first sermon I ever preached here on my induction was the end of Joshua. So we're doing a little bit of a repeat uh, of the book of Joshua, but we can't go through all 24 chapters. Um, but if you think back to the, the story of Joshua standing there on the, on the side of the Jordan River, uh, if you know the history of the people of God, this is not the first time that they've been in the place to step into the fullness of God's plans and purposes for them. Uh, you'll remember that story, won't you, that, that in the past they kind of sent spies into the land and they all kind of came back and said, apart from Joshua, they all said, oh my goodness, it's too big. It's too hard. It's too scary. It's Too risky for us to go in there. It's going to cost us too much to move into where God would have us. So maybe we should actually just stay here. Maybe it would be more comfortable for us. Maybe it would be easier. Maybe it's better if we just stayed where we were. And if you know the story, God goes, that is ridiculous. I am done with this generation. You are going to wander the wilderness until that generation has died out, and then you'll get another chance to step into the fullness of my plans for you. And so you've got to think about that, and you've got to think about how insane that is. that is—that The people of God spend a generation wandering around the desert as a nomadic people, setting up tents, packing tents down, setting up the tabernacle, packing the tabernacle down, Collecting manna every day, not having a place, not having safety, not having security, not having a sense of identity because they didn't carry the vision in their heart. They didn't have a sense that they could set their eyes on the truth that God was with them and that he was leading them into this. I don't want to settle for the wrong side of the fullness of God's plans because of my lack of vision or my lack of faith. Does that make sense? I don't want that for my family's life, and I don't want that for our shared life as a church at MVBC. You know, one of the things I was reflecting on, um, obviously, was coming up here with uh, an enormous amount of optimism and hope and faith, and I think God-given dreams and a sense of don't settle uh, for maintenance. Uh, and I remember um, a guy by the name of Evan, some of you will know Evan, um, bailing me up at the gathering. Um, I shared this story, I think, um, late last year. He, he bailed me up at the gathering and he looked at me square in the eyes and he said, what is your intention for NVBC? I was like, whoa, hello, haven't even started yet. <laughs> it was like a month before I started. What are your intention for, for NVBC? And I remember this collection of words coming out of my mouth that I believe really were from God. Uh, And I said to Evan, I said, I want to impact the kingdom of, I want to impact the Central Coast for the kingdom of God for generations to come. Yeah. And I felt like God said, correct. Don't you forget it. Don't you forget it. And that is such a God sized vision. But I am terrified by it. And I genuinely feel almost embarrassed to share that publicly because it seems so far out there and so far-reaching. And yet I recognise that there's this beautiful spiritual principle, the principle of the seagull, that when we carry it in our hearts, when we fix our eyes on it, we move towards it. We drive towards it. And there's something about that vision that I find so grounding, Uh, It means that I I stay humble because I can't do that. It means and it forces me to be a man of faith who deeply depends on God. Uh, It forces me to, to wrestle and to think through strategically, how do we go after that together as the people of God? And one of the things I think it does, which is really beautiful, is it protects my heart. Having a God-sized vision for your life, having a God-sized vision for the life of our church, it actually protects us. It protects our hearts from falling into the trap and falling into the pattern that we come to church and we do the things and we serve and we preach and we're involved in programs because that's just what we do. That's what we've got to do to keep the lights on, the hamster wheel of the machine of church going because that's what someone did 10, 20 years ago. It protects us from that maintenance kind of mindset. And it always forces us forward, driving forward, believing that every time we gather, it's not just another Sunday. Because God is at work and he is drawing people to himself. And he is revealing Christ the Son. That every time we serve, we're not just filling a gap on a roster because there's a need. But we're a part of what God is seeking to do in and through us as a church community. Does this make sense? Yeah. Have a God-sized vision. And so I'd love, as the pastoral team, we call this the why behind the what. We do a lot of what, um, but it's the why behind it and the heart behind it. So would you carry in your hearts with me a God-sized vision for your life and for the life of our church? And I know some of you capture this. I know some of you, this excites your heart and you dream and you pray into it because I hear you come up to me and you say that when we get glimpses of it. So last Sunday night, we had a a baptism service. Um, We're praising God for 11 young people declaring their allegiance to Jesus through baptism. Like, come on, if that doesn't deserve, uh, yeah, come on. And so as part of that, and I know many of you were there, like this room was packed, Full, which is awesome, um, including a bunch of people who came to support friends and family who don't normally come to church. Uh, Johnny attempted some sort of headcount. I think he got up to around 250, which is pretty good. Um, but the thing that I love is that, that so many of you walked in through the doors, uh, saw me and said, can you imagine what the, if, it, if it, this was every Sunday? And I was like, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do imagine that. I do hope for that. I do pray for that. We are going after that together. And not just because we want a full broom and to feel good that we're growing numerically. We'll get to this in the next point. It's because each person needs to know Jesus and there's a chance to transform lives as we introduce people to Jesus. Had the same thing uh, in the referendum day as well. All of our community around us walking down, walking down the street, walking up the street, kind of peeling out of all those streets and walking and converging here in this property. And again, so many of you catching the vision. You've got a God-sized vision for this place. You come over and you whisper in my ear and you're like, can you imagine if this was normal for church? They were coming here not to vote, but to encounter Jesus. Not coming here for our amazing bacon and egg rolls, I do have to admit, but they were coming here to seek faith, or to be open to exploring faith. And of course, I said, I do. (laughs) I do imagine. I do hope. I do pray. And by God's grace, we will continue to seek to be a city on a hill to our community, Um, those who don't know Jesus, in the streets and the suburbs around us. Would you carry in your hearts with me a God-sized vision for what he wants to do through us? Second one, Reflections on a Year at NVBC, very simple, two words that mean so much to me, people matter. People matter. I can't even begin to describe how genuine and heartfelt this reflection has been, and how deeply God has convicted me of this uh, in this past year. And what a joy and a delight it has been to feel uh, a deep and genuine love for our church family, Uh, And to feel that in return. Um, So thank you. Uh, Thank you to each and every one of you for making our family welcome here. Um, Yeah, we feel like we didn't just get called to fulfill a role, but we got invited to be part of the family. Uh, So thank you for the ways that you've encouraged us, welcomed us, the ways that you've loved our kids into um, Kids Church. The way that you've prayed for us over these last 12 months as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So back to Joshua on the road into the promised land. Now he goes to take hold of the promised land for the people of God, not to be the hero of the story, you get that, right? right? He's not one of these sort of celebrity pastors that's got all the platform and all the name and all the ministry success and gets flown in first class and chauffeured to the nice hotel and then ushered in through the back, through the green room and up onto the stage and aha, here I am. No, Joshua has just spent literally the last generation with all of them wandering around the wilderness, setting up tents with people, burying people, his family are part of the community. He lives, and he loves, and he serves, and out of that place, he leads, because people matter. I love this from the Apostle Paul. He uh, just gets a little bit of an insight into the emotional weight that he carries. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, and he talks about all these things that he's praying for, all these things on his mind, and he says this, "'Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of the concern for all the churches.'" Right, the Apostle Paul, if you've ever read through the history and what he did, he is an intimidating fellow, right? He is like an alpha male, task-driven, you just think, this guy's like a bull in a china shop, he's going to get it done. But his heart is soft towards people. He loves people. He's burdened by the churches that he's planted and he's birthed. Check out this from uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 8. He's writing to the church, the believers in Philippi. And he says, For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Whew. How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Oh, people matter. People mattered to Paul. People mattered to Joshua. People mattered to God. Here at NVBC, people matter. Passionate for God cannot just be some words on a document, or words on the wall. It's who we are, and it's what we're about. Yeah? And so it's been a great joy and a great delight over the last 12 months to get to know uh, some of you. Um, I'm working on getting to know all of you. <laughs> but I count it a real privilege um, to have your lives opened up, to share where God is at work, to hear the testimonies, to hear the hard places. To journey with you in the hard stuff people matter that's a reflection from the last 12 months and so would you carry in your hearts with me a love for people that we don't just gather to get our little personal fix of of god and church but we gather together as the people of god as the family of faith and we look around who can i support who can i encourage who can i thank for their presence here today all right how are we doing not too bad? Got permission to preach a little longer? Sweet. You guys are nice to me. (laughs) One of the things I've been reflecting on and one of the things I've become really aware of over the last, um, yeah, 12 months is this, that we need to be wise to the spiritual battle. Scripture makes it incredibly plain, if we are to read it, that there is a spiritual reality and a spiritual battle that we're involved in. Ephesians chapter 6, for our struggle is not just against flesh and blood, you know this passage, right? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Jesus himself, very plain about his teaching about the reality of a spiritual enemy that opposes the good and perfect plans of God. An enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy in opposition to Jesus' ministry, which is to bring life in all of its fullness. And so in 1 Peter 5, uh, we read Peter just reminding us that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Sleep well tonight, everybody. (laughs) Resist him, standing firm in the faith is the instruction. Now, obviously, I don't want this to be something that we carry in our hearts and to fixate on, right? That's not the point of this one. But it is something I do think we need our eyes open to and to be aware of and to be on the lookout for. And one of my reflections on my own personal spiritual life, um, yeah, moving up here and taking on the role, uh, is that I was uh, underprepared for the spiritual battle and the reality of the spiritual battle um, in our church life. And that I underestimated the reality, I think, and the influence of the, of the one who opposes the good and perfect plans of God. In fact, I think, um, particularly in our Life in the Spirit course, uh, I actually use the word shocked. I was shocked at the level of spiritual opposition. ...that so many people uh, faced uh, during that course. Here we are gathering together to, to meet with God and wanting to grow in our intimacy with God. And, and that first week, uh, or that first fortnight after uh, Life in the Spirit began... ...it was ridiculous how many people came under what I would describe as clear and overt spiritual opposition... There was a number of people, not just one, but a number of people who were taken out of that course completely, um, even though they desired to do the course because of something that happened to them. And I remember sitting in, our, in a circle of our small group after one of the weeks and just starting by going, how was your week? And everybody sharing and I'm just looking around and we're all like shaking our heads. Yeah, <laughs> Julie's there. You were there. We're shaking our heads being like, this is ridiculous. It's so overt and obvious when you name it. And it's actually quite empowering when you name it and you recognize it because you can bring it to the one who has authority and victory in all things. So let's go back to Joshua for a minute. Uh, the move towards the promised land was going to be met with resistance. That's the point, right? It wasn't their land yet. They were going to have to take ground, take the ground that God had given them. It was their inheritance as the people of God, but they were going to be met with resistance. Every inch of ground had to be hard won in battle. But what's the promise that God gave Joshua as he steps into the fullness of his calling? Didn't remember? Very famous verse Be strong and courageous because. I, the Lord, will be with you. So we want to be wise to the spiritual battle, but only so much so that it leads us to actually take authority and to stand confident in the one who is with us, the one who is all-powerful, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, and the one who is renewing and bringing renewal to all things. Be wise to the spiritual battle, um, and I guess probably a little, little subsection of that one is recognize the priority and the importance of prayer as part of that. One final one from me, reflections on a year at MVBC. Keep your flame burning. Keep your flame burning brightly. Keep that in your heart. Fix your eyes on that. Continue to move towards that. Uh, Joshua is a wonderful figure in... um, in our Old Testaments, and I really encourage you to go do a a character study on him if if you haven't. Um, But I believe the things of God that Joshua oversaw for the Israelites were birthed out of passionate worship, personal encounter, and a deep love for God. I'm going to say that again because for those taking notes, that's worth writing down. (laughs) I believe the things of God that Joshua oversaw for the Israelites were birthed out of passionate worship, personal encounter, and a deep love for God. One of the first things that we read about Joshua, son of Nun, Exodus 33, is that he lingered and he stayed and he presenced himself in the tabernacle. Moses would go and meet with God like a man face to face, and he'd get his instructions and he'd leave. This is Exodus 33, verse 11. Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua did not leave the tent, stayed attending to the presence of God, stayed presence with God worshipped personal encounter deep love and I actually think that's the qualifications (laughs) that Joshua has to lead the people into where God was calling them to be and at the end of his life this is Joshua chapter 24 where I spoke about on my first Sunday ever here Joshua at the end of the life is still in that place and he encourages the people not just to go and do this and do that but he encourages them with their walk with God Now then, Joshua says, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, to the God of Israel, to carry in here, to have at the seat of desire, the seat of affection, a yielded heart, a soft heart, a heart that loves God, a heart that's obedient to God, a heart that wants to see God glorified and honored in your life, in your conduct, in their case, in their nation, in our context, in our church. So keep the flame burning. Probably been surprised, it's fair to say, just how much a senior pastor has to do. (laughs) Um, And yet I really appreciate that one of the most important things I can do is this. And one of the most important things you can do is this. Keep that flame burning brightly. Keep that first love, stoke that fire, love God, be devoted to God, be passionate about him, worship him, and then out of the overflow of that place, remember that this year, out of the overflow of that place, then we're going to do and be and become. But this is the kind of the seat, I guess, of the power, if you like, of the anointing, of our qualification. It's our passionate worship, our personal encounter with a personal God and a deep love for him. So, 12 months, it's been fun, but we're just beginning, right? Done all the firsts, and so now we get to do all the anothers. (laughs) Another Christmas, another sermon, another Sunday. (laughs) But I never want it to just be another anything. I want us to be like the seagull, (laughs) carry in our hearts, keep our eyes fixed, and move towards drive towards the things of God. Have a God-sized vision. Let's have a God-sized vision for each of our lives and our corporate life as a church family. Let's have a deep, deep love for one another. Let's not be unaware that there's an enemy roaming around, but let's keep our love and our passion and our devotion to Jesus alive. Let me pray, hey? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much We want to thank you so much that we just join a long, 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 long list of faithful people who in their hearts set apart you as Lord, who set their eyes on the things of God, the things that you are calling them to, and they move towards it with faith and passion and conviction and commitment. Lord, I want to thank you for this church family and I want to celebrate all the ways that you've been so clearly at work in our life over the past 12 months. Jesus, we love you. We love the ways that you're setting people free, that you're healing and redeeming and restoring and setting our love and our passion for you a light afresh. God, thank you for the testimonies that have been born out in this year. Thank you for those who've been baptised this year, those who've placed their faith and trust in you this year those who have gone to a deeper place with you this year, those who have found their gifts and their sweet spot and their calling and their place to serve. God, thank you for calling and leading our family here as well. But Jesus, our eyes are not looking backwards only. They're looking forward. We're straining towards what is ahead. We're fixing our eyes on you, Jesus, and we're running with joy and passion and purpose the race that you've marked out for us as a church family here at NVBC. And God, I do want to pray, I really do want to pray, that through the life and the witness of this church, oh, that there would be a Kingdom of God impact right across the Central Coast, the ripple effects of which will be felt for generations. Would you do this, Jesus? for the sake of your name and your fame and the people who don't yet know you. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.